helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, welcome to the Life Transformation Show. Today we have another interesting show lined up for you. Today's show is about recovering from family tragedy. And as a backdrop to this show today, we'll be looking at Genesis 35 verse 11 16 and 18. In this in these few verses of scriptures we have a tragedy that is unfolding before us and I think this tragedy captures for many of us hard times that we have been through in our family. But before we get into today's show, let me welcome all our listeners and uh, just to inform you that you can find out more about us by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. You can also call us at one 877 from out of town or 613-699-1677 from within Ottawa. If you're not familiar with us, we are a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. And with me in studio today is Melissa Wagot. Welcome, Melissa, and thank you for being with us again on the Life Transformation Show. It's always great to join you in studio, Michael, and I'm really interested to see how you pick apart this story that you selected in the Bible. It is quite the tragedy, I must say, that you selected out of the book of Genesis and kind of a sad story, I think. It, it is indeed a very sad story, and I think one of the things things that make this a very sad story is that it, the, the tragedy comes on the heel of a great promise. God had just made this promise to Jacob that he would bless him and that he would uh, make his descendants a great nation, his offsprings a great nation. But just after that promise, we have his wife Rachel dying in childbirth while giving birth to her to to a son a long wanted son she wanted so badly to have another child and now god is answering her promise to have another child god seemingly is fulfilling the promise at least a part of the promise that from jacob would come a great nation but in the midst of that promise we have this tragedy that hits us out of the blue as we read the passage. And we are told that she died while giving birth. But what is also very interesting about this is that the son that survived in one of the last things, in fact, the last thing she did before passing on was to name the child. And out of the sorrow that she was feeling, knowing that she was going to die, she she gave the child the name Benoni, which means son of my sorrows. So the last thing that she did was to name her son, and she gave him this name, son of my sorrows. And I think for me, what struck me so much about this story when we were reading it before today's show was, Jacob's going from this high with God. God has just promised him this amazing thing. And then he's probably in the lowest, one of the lowest points of his life on the heels of that great promise. And so it makes me wonder, where is God through this tragedy? 
Because it seems like a bit of a bait and switch just happened. Yes. Or they just had the the rug pulled out from under him after this big, great God moment. And now it's like, what what happened? Where'd, Where'd God go? Has he left me through this? That is what sometimes throw us into spiritual crisis. Many uh, people listening to this show today can identify with how Jacob may have felt because you have this great promise and and you think it's going to be great, there's going to be blessings, you're going to have a lot of children and then your wife dies in childbirth. This may be similar to couples who may be listening to my voice that when you got married, you had this great promise, this great vision. Maybe uh, people may have even prophesied over your marriage that great things are going to happen uh, as a result of the union that you have formed. But then in the midst of that, there is an affair, or in the midst of that, there is a gambling addiction, or in the midst of that, there is something that you discovered about your spouse that came as a total shock, or in the midst of that, your spouse is diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so life uh, seems at that point to be throwing you a curveball that goes against what you were promised by God, or what you felt that God was saying to to you about your future. And so how should we begin to respond in those types of situations. It's interesting when you look at uh, Rachel's response in that situation, she did something very unique in how she responded when her son was born in the way she gave him his name. What can we learn from that in this story? Rachel named her son out of a visceral reaction to her suffering. In her dying breath, in the pain, in the midst of the reality that she was not going to be around to enjoy this son, she cried out, Name him Benoni, son of my sorrow. And I think this is very symbolic to what we do today in that we often name, in quotation, name our children in the midst of very strong emotion. For example, in a fit of anger, we give our children the name, you are stupid. And let me say here that the name that we give our children, you can call your children Michael after the archangel Michael, or you can call your your daughter Gabriel, or whatever name you want to give. But those are not the name that is going to define the child. What will define the child is how you treat the child in those moments when life does not go how it is supposed to go, when life throws you a curveball, when you're in a fit of anger and you're at your breaking point. And so Rachel was at her breaking point. She was dying, literally dying. And in the midst of that, she gave the child name Benoni, son of my sorrows. And so many people, the the the, the, the the parent who, in a fit of anger, say you are stupid, is naming the child daughter of stupidity. The parent who say you can, you can't, why can't you be like so and so? Why can't you be like your cousin? Is naming that child son of inferiority. When you tell a child that 
You will never be able to do that. You will never be able to do what you say you're going to do. You're actually naming the child in those critical moments because you're naming the child at that point daughter of giving up because that child is going to go up in life feeling, grow up and go into life feeling that I can't set my sights on big goals because I will never be able to achieve them. The child who is made to feel by their parents that their best efforts are not good enough has been given the name son of discouragement or daughter of discouragement because that child is going to go into life feeling that I will never be able to measure up. So why even try? So do you see the effects of these names we give our kids um, in your clinical practice when you're counseling individuals? Do you see this play out in adulthood? I see this all the time. I see people who are qualified professionals. They're at the top of their profession. They have the, the PhD and they will say to me, Michael, despite the, the qualifications that I have, I feel like a failure. And when we explore their, the, the childhood that these people had, they were, they, they, they grew up in, in, in households that they were made to feel like their best was never good enough. Some of these, uh, individuals were told by their parents that they will never amount to anything. And so even though they have the qualification and even though they have the high position in the workplace, they still feel like a failure because they have been given the name son of failure, son of inferiority. And so that label that label sticks despite everything else. And so in my practice we we work to rename that person. Because in the in the Bible we, we find that in in many cases there is, there is a renaming that takes place. In this passage, there is a renaming. Jacob stepped in and said, this child will not be called son of my sorrow. This child is going to be called Benjamin, son of my right hand. And so it's very important to realize that we don't have to keep the labels that we have been given in our childhood. We can shake those labels. They're not permanent. They might, they might have been affecting us for 10, 15, 20, 50 years, but they are still changeable. They are not etched in stone. That being said, though, someone would say, well, maybe Jacob was in a bit of denial because in Benjamin's birth, it, it was a sorrowful situation. It was tragic. His mom died. So would Benoni not be an appropriate name, son of my sorrows? Is he denying what happened there and renaming his son Benjamin? That's a very good question, Melissa, because you think about it, it is indeed a sorrowful situation. And I think in in the story, uh, Benjamin, uh, Jacob is not saying that Rachel isn't dying. He's saying that we don't have to be defined by our tragedy. And I think there is a big difference I think uh, many of us, we make our tragedy define us. We, we make the trauma that we have been through 
define us. And there are many studies now that is being done that is showing that we don't have to be defined by our trauma, how we perceive ourselves. So so Jacob was not denying that it happened. He's just saying that there is another way that we can look at this situation. Yes, it is sorrowful, but we don't want to define ourselves as being sorrowful. We want to give ourselves a different name. And so his son was not called Benoni. His son was called Benjamin, son of my right hand. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today, we are covering the topic of recovering from family tragedy. And we're looking at the Bible verse from Genesis 35, verse 11, 16 to 18. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always give us a call at 613-699-1677 or 1-877-544-3546. And we'd be happy to share a copy of today's show with you. So Michael, you were just uh, talking about how Jacob renamed Benoni to Benjamin. What was the meaning of Benjamin, and why did Jacob go ahead and give his son that name? Right, so Benjamin means son of my right hand, and the meaning of the right hand doesn't jump out at us uh, in today's culture. But in biblical times, it was a well-known fact that the right hand was a place of power, a place, a place of privilege. The right hand symbolized strength in in biblical times. So, so what uh, what Jacob was in fact saying? Yes, this is a sorrowful situation that Rachel died in childbirth, but we don't have to be stuck there. We can move on into this. We can turn this into 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 something that into a blessing the right hand is also the place of blessing and so when he when he's naming his son he's changing the name from Benoni son of sorrows to Benjamin son of my right hand Jacob is saying we will arise from this ashes we we will not lay down here and die we will recover from this, and I think it's that kind of a mindset that can lead to us recovering from a family tragedy. Because had Jacob said, "This is, this is going to define us. You're going to be named Benoni," then I think that would totally change how Benjamin would, or the child would have been perceived from there on. So he renamed. He he refused to be to be identified by the tragedy itself. So I say to you, if you're listening today, that you may have been through some traumatic situations. Maybe you have lost a child. Maybe you have lost a husband. Or maybe the marriage that you thought was the marriage from heaven turned out to be uh, something that looked like it was from, from hell. And you have been disappointed. Maybe the promises that you feel that God made to you hasn't materialized the way that you expected it. But just as in this story, you don't have to be defined by your disappointments. You can choose to look at this another way. So you've actually identified Jacob's 
um, renaming of Benoni to Benjamin as a form of intervention. What do you mean by that? Well, if you think about it, uh, Rachel, in her sorrow and her pain, in her suffering, in her dying breath, at a point of extremity, she she called out and she said, this child will be named Benoni. And Jacob intervened and said, this child will not be called Benoni. He shall be called Benjamin. And so he intervened to bring about a different end to the situation, a different meaning to the situation. And so it is that in in family situation for for tragedies to be dealt with in a way that brings about resilience, we often need someone's someone to intervene. It can be a family member from within the family, but it can also be someone from outside of the family, such as a as a therapist or a pastor or someone who can begin to help the family to redefine the tragedy in different ways. Melissa, before the, the show, you and I talked about how even in, in the case of rape victims, they are now talking about different ways in which people can begin to look at themselves and how helpful just how you look at yourself can be. Yeah, there's there's a whole new language that's coming around that uh, with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the media around um, sexual assault and violence and the whole Me Too campaign and stuff, even how we refer to people. In the past, you'd often hear you're a victim of sexual violence or you're a victim of rape or a victim of this type of trauma or that type of trauma. But you're hearing the conversation change to saying you're a survivor of yes. rape, you're a survivor of this type of trauma, where it gives a bit more of empowerment to that individual when they may have been put in a place where they felt very powerless. And those words have a big effect, I think, on our mindsets and how we view ourselves if we've been a victim of those things, but yes. also how you interact with people. It changes that lens, I think. So looking at how we speak about others and ourselves in these times of tragedy, I think is really important. And it gives yourself a bit of grace on yourself as well to see yourself um, as maybe lighter or that survivor than rather than that victim. It makes a big difference. If you go around seeing yourself as a victim, then it sends the 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 message that you're somehow defeated. You're, you have somehow been damaged and you can't recover from it. But if you see yourself as a survivor, this is saying, you know what, I've been through some terrible stuff, but I have, I have survived. Mm-hmm. And just that in itself, if you can put your mind to begin to think of yourself as a survivor, it is saying that, look, you have some strength. That's just it. There's a strength in that word. And that strength you can draw on from within yourself, I think, is really huge to begin that healing process. And I think this was exactly what Jacob was doing in this situation. He was renaming the child Benjamin, uh, son of my right hand, because the right hand uh, symbolized this place of strength also, and so he's saying that you don't have to be the the sorrowful child. You can be a child of strength. So, in what ways do sometimes people get hung up on not intervening? What are some things that cause people to hold back or not step in or not change that name or that circumstance? And how can we overcome those tendencies? 
if we think about the family situation that Jacob was in, we 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 can see that Jacob could have made an excuse as to why he could not rename the child. He could have said something to the effect, "You know what? This is my la- my wife's last wish." It's the last thing she said before she died. It's a dying woman's wish for this child to be called son of sorrow. So I don't want to step in to overrule that. He could have been sentimental. But even though it was her dying wish, Jacob realized that this was this would not be productive for the, the child. It it would not be it it would not be adaptive for the child to be called son of sorrows. And so he intervened. He didn't make excuse. And a lot of people who can intervene in family situation where children are being, quote, named uh, bad things, bad names, such as stupid or you're not good enough or you will never amount to anything. People who can intervene make excuses. They will say things like, you know, it's not my child. Or, you know, mom is just having a bad day. That's how mom is. And, you know, you just have to get used to, to, to mom. And so these children are in, in, because of these excuses, subject to more damage. And, and so in this story, we find that Jacob did not make excuse. He stepped right in and he said, this child will not be known, will not be called Benoni, son of sorrows, but will be called Benjamin, son of my right hand, which symbolizes a, 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 a child with strength and power and authority. What other things can we learn from this story in Jacob's response and how we can go about um, addressing these situations? Right. I, I think uh, a lot of people, too, hide behind uh, their fear of conflict, where instead of stepping in and saying, I want to rename this child, I don't want this child to be subject to this abuse, or I'm not going to allow you to continue to inflict this kind of punishment. I know we have been through some hard things as a family, and life is hard, but I, I will not permit this to continue, this, this, this damage to our children to continue. So sometimes people who are conflict adverse, they hide behind their conflict, their fear of conflict, and they refuse to step in. And then we have emotionally absent uh, parents as well that allow uh, one parent to wreak havoc in the family system and do a lot of damage instead of stepping in and... Uh, overturning the situation. So at the beginning of the show, we talked about this story starting with God making a promise and then seemingly this tragedy happening and that promise uh, being lost. But much like many stories with time, uh, we can see how things turn out. What ended up happening uh, as a result of Benjamin being named what he was by Jacob? How do we see this unfold? If we if we think about uh, the the history of Benjamin, uh, Benjamin became one of the twelve tribes of Israel, a very successful tribe of Israel. From the tribe of Benjamin, we got the first king of Israel, King Saul, was a Benjamite, and so I think that there is something in this renaming that had ripple effects throughout the the future generations. Had he been called Benoni? Uh, son of sorrows, 
maybe uh, a lot of what we have in, in, in terms of the rich history of the tribe of Benjamin would not have materialized in Scripture. And there's also not just an Old Testament link, but a New Testament link to this tribe as well. Absolutely, because we see that in the New Testament, uh, so the Apostle Paul was a Benjamite. The Apostle Paul refers to him himself in in Philippians, I think it is, as a Benjamite. And so we see from that Philippians 3 verse 5, he says he's, a, he's, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. So from that uh, intervention that was done by Jacob thousands of year ago, years ago, we have the Apostle Paul. And from the Apostle Paul, we have most of the, the, the written New Testament uh, scriptures. And so it, it, you can never tell the effect that it's going to have when you intervene in a situation and you stop a child from being labeled, being named the wrong way. You can never tell what's going to be the ripple effect, the positive effects that are going to go throughout history if you deal with your family tragedy and the, the hardships that you're going about in a way that that brings resilience instead of letting it define and defeat you. So what's the main message you want us to take from this story today? How can we, what can we learn from it and how can we apply it to our lives? The main message I think would be that we don't have to be defined by our tragedy. We can, we can determine what meaning we want the tragedy to have. Victor Frankl, Holocaust survivor, said that we, it's not the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's not the tragedy itself that affects us, but it's the meaning that we give to the tragedy. So I'm saying you might be listening to my voice today and you're going through some hard things. You have been through a very difficult childhood. You can begin to have new meaning. You can be begin to redefine your situation. In a in a recent not a recent, but in one of the studies that they 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 did after a tragic school shooting, it was it was actually the Virginia Tech campus shooting in two thousand seven, which was at that time was the second most deadliest civilian shooting in US history. They just happened to be studying before the shooting, they were doing a study at the school to to, to, to see the level of depression and how people would recover from their depression in the process of time. And then you had the shooting happen. So they already had stats on the, the states of the state of depression of the students. And so in the study of 368 female survivors of that shooting, what they found out is that 60% of uh, people who experienced that tragedy was were resilient. They also found out, surprisingly, that 15% of the people who were depressed before the shooting did, did better after the shooting. They were bound from their depression and from their anxiety, and they became resilient after. And what they discovered in many of these uh, 
people who were surprisingly better after such a tragedy was that these people found new meaning, had new meaning in their life as a result of this tragedy. They formed better relationship with their peers and they did not just lie down and say, this is a sorrowful situation, but they bonded with others. They, 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 see, they begin to look at things in a new way and it made them resilient. So, Michael, I think this was a really great exploration of the story. Is there any last words you want to leave with us today? I'd just like to give a word of encouragement to our listeners out there because I know life is hard and I know it's not always easy to find the positive things that's going on in the midst of such a, a tragedy. I'd like to say that sometimes it takes time. You might not be able to do that right away. But I would like to say that what you're going through may at this time seem like doom and gloom, but God can bring beauty from the ashes. And on that note, we have to wrap up today because we are out of time. But I, I think I really enjoyed uh, sharing these thoughts today, Melissa. It's such a very important topic because as believers, we are not exempt from suffering and from hardship. That's very true. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.